Greetings from Trials of the Apocalypse. Trials of the Apocalypse is an actual play podcast telling one-shot stories in a variety of Powered by the Apocalypse games, rotating players and systems each time. More and more with every new arc, we tightly edit and master our audio, injecting it full of music and sound effects to immerse you in the story. Our stories are full of badass characters. Now he's just a guy. Yes. I'm a small gang. You are. Oh, oh no. Yes. <laughs> I don't rinse the shotgun from oh, his hand. Oh, you cut his arm off. I take his hand. Complicated relationships. Go kill a man for mommy, hmm? It wouldn't be the first time. Would be on and this it continent. won't be the last. Would it be the first time on this continent? Does Iceland count as Europe or North? It's, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. We have a job to do. And lots of friends having fun. I don't know if you could hear my popping in the mic, but... A little bit. That was my bones. I'm trying to get into the oh. spirit of ghost lines. Why are you removing your bones? <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to become closer to a ghost? Every arc is independent from the others, so you can go back and listen to previous games in any order. Or come and join us for our newest, playing Brindlewood Bay, a story of three older retired women who while solving murder mysteries in their sleepy bayside town, begin to uncover a dark cult which underpins them. Find us in your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Trials of the Apocalypse. See you there. Hello and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs, and nerd culture in general. I'm your host, Mike Daniel, um, and I am joined this week by a special guest, Ryan Johnson. Ryan, how are you doing today? Great, Mike. Thanks for having me. So happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to have you as well. Uh, Ryan, I know you uh, are a bit of a like uh, DMs Guild uh, author, we'll, we'll say here. I, I've written some stuff up there as well. But uh, yeah, why don't you tell me, tell me, tell our audience here as well a little bit about yourself and kind of what brings you onto the show here today? Sure. Yeah. Like Mike said, Ryan Johnson, I am a librarian by day. I'm also a new dad. I uh, got a new baby girl who will be eight weeks old here just in a couple of days. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been playing. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very way. much. Thank you. Yeah, I've been playing 5e since it launched. BD have been uh, DMing most of that time. But last April, I finally got my first uh, DMs Guild title called Wintry Blast finalized and published. And that, that kind of started as a homebrew for me based off of a a seemingly random pack of magic cards and then since since that kind of inspiration and and that product got finalized and put out there i kind of kept noodling in that arena using magic cards to help inspire things in my D D games Awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I've never really been into magic much myself. My, uh, my partner, Hannah played it a lot growing up and has tried to get me into it a little bit. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of definitely a lot, uh, to draw on as far as, you know, inspiration. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear, you know, kind of the, um, the steps that you took or the path that you took to kind of, you know, use magic, the gathering to inspire, like writing up some, uh, some adventures here. So, um, yeah, very excited to uh, to have you on. And I know just in in general, like for a lot of DMs out there um, or you know GMs of, of any game, um, like finding the some sources for inspiration for a, you know a one shot or a campaign even uh, can be a, kind of an arduous task, right? Um, so I think what you have, have written up here for for our notes and for our, our conversation today offers a lot of really great advice for individuals when they are you know trying to like wrangle their own personal muse so to speak and and find ways to create inspiration so um yeah i'm really excited to uh to to talk here and 
you know, impart your your wisdom to me so I can steal that and use it myself. That's really the real reason for the show is because I'm a terrible DM and, <laughs> and need help. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think you've got a lot of great wisdom to offer to our, our listeners here as well. So um, I guess, can you can you give me a like a maybe a starting point, you know, when you sat down to uh, create this this adventure? Um, where, like, how did you come up with the idea for using like Magic the Gathering, or you know, what? What was sort of the 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 jumping off point for you for for doing this? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I hate to say that it's it's not an original idea of mine. I would say probably somewhere in 2016. How maybe, dare you? How right? dare you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe 2016 might have been. All ideas are supposed to be original in D and D. That's how it works. <laughs> Yeah, but I was, you know, I <laughs> okay. was, I was, uh, you know, listening to some podcast, and I don't, I don't remember the name of the podcast. I don't remember who the hosts were, but they had this small segment where they, I don't know if they pulled a card out of a drawer, you know, that was sitting nearby on a shelf or something, but they kind of took the card and and just kind of talked mm-hmm. talked live about how they might use that in in a D and D game. And I'm like, hey, I've I've been playing Magic since I was like in sixth grade. Um, I know a lot of the cards inside and out. Um, there's an obvious marriage there between Magic and D&D. I mean, after all, they are currently owned by the same parent company. Um, and we've seen some of the... Yeah, Wizard of the Coast yeah, owns both of them for sure. Yeah, and we've seen some of the recent campaign settings, be it um, the one for Theros or the one for Ravnica that are direct inspirations from official magic, mm-hmm. the gathering sets. So yeah, I had that idea or that seed planted years ago. And then I was, I was DMing this, this um, home game that actually met at a local pub and we were at the end of one campaign arc and I was needing some inspiration for something to do next. And we had just finished curse of Strahd and I was kind of burnt out on the big, official hardback publications i always felt like when i when i try to run one of those there's so much packed in there and i'm always afraid i'm going to miss a detail or i'm going to fail to collect you know i'm going to fail to connect this nugget from chapter two with this other nugget from chapter nine um so i thought you know if if i make something of my own i'm gonna know it it's going to be in my head somewhere and if and if you know, and if I kind of miss a, a point or fail to connect two things, no big deal. It's my world. I'll just kind of fudge it and make it happen anyway. You know, kind of, kind of twist it and turn it and make it all, all be For a sure. happy marriage in the end. So with that, I'm sitting there. I'm kind of bored at work one day. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I I need some inspiration. I went and started looking at magic cards, and that's that's kind of how it started. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I think that's that uh, struggle of having to uh, kind of balance all of the different parts of the uh, the hardback campaign adventures, the published adventures from Wizards is something that a lot of DMs struggle with. Um, honestly, that was something that uh, my, my, my DM in one of the games that I'm a player in, like openly ad- admitted to us uh when we were start getting ready to start a new campaign recently one of the other players was like hey are there any of the published adventures you want to run he's like no because there's just so much that like you kind of have to railroad the players in some aspects and sometimes like you know when players like we have a very chaotic group so they're not going to make the choices that are necessarily presented in the uh the hardback adventures so like you know when that stuff happens you know, the books don't really prepare you for how to react to that. Or, you know, if you've missed one part of this one chapter, then, oh, well, that's a kind of a key incident that needs to, you know, relay to this other part in this other chapter. So now I have to figure out how to, you know, shoehorn that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that that struggle is, is very common to a lot of, a lot of GMs for sure. Um, so um, awesome that you were able to kind of find a solution that that fits for yourself and you know using magic the gathering um, obviously a pretty direct correlation between you know magic and and D um in that sense there so 
um, yeah, that's 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 really really great and re- way to be you know super innovative and also seems like maybe steal someone else's idea, which is also very key to uh, to being a GM as well, right? So right. All right. Um, yeah, and I know you had mentioned um, you know wanting to talk a little bit about kind of the uh, sort of the philosophy behind um, using some like like random cards from a random pack, right? So you you were when you were writing up this uh, this adventure. Um, you, you opened a pack and had no idea what was going to be in it and just kind of had to use what was there as a resource. So, um, talk to me a little bit about kind of the, the process, um, behind that, or maybe some, you know, some things that sort of led you into the steps that you, you took to get there. Sure. Yeah. Great question. So fortunately there's a lot of free pack generators online. You know, you can go online and just kind of type in Mm -hmm. magic the gathering sealed booster or booster draft or whatever it might be and you'll find some different websites that will um like i said offer offer kind of that that tool to help make this Mm -hmm. happen so anyway i i started with the pack or excuse me with the set ice age which came out in the mid 90s which is about the time i started playing and you know it's set in this frozen northern climate and there's you know warring barbarian tribes and this this kind of bleak kingdom trying to just hold on to relevance and of course these you know monstrous creatures roaming Mm -hmm. roaming the uh the environments so i i went to that and i told myself before i click you know before i clicked the uh the the open button i told myself i'm only doing this once i don't want to fall down that rabbit hole of well, let's try this pack. And no, I, you know what? I don't like those <laughs> cards. Let's, let's try again, mm-hmm. try again. Cause you know, I would still probably be opening fictional right, right. packs of cards, trying Just to find that hitting perfect. the button over and over and over and over again. And, right. And I also told myself that, that I'm using all the cards. I'm not yeah. going to like use 13 out of 15 or 14 out of 15. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make all 15 happen. So I, I opened that one pack. And, uh, you know, looked at the 15 cards and it, it was, it was that Christmas morning. These are all cards I'd seen before. I'd seen them for years, but I'm, I know that they've got a bigger purpose or that I'm going to mm. use them in some, some way other than just playing, playing, uh, the game. So real quickly, I'm going to go through this list, um, just for the magic fans out there and tell you the, okay. the card. And then kind of yeah, how sure. it, and then just a very short description about how it ends up getting used in the Wintry Blast campaign. So first we had Circle of Protection mm-hmm. Red, okay. which yeah, obviously, awesome. obviously led itself to a Ring of Fire resistance. The next card was Snow Fortress, which immediately became the location for the big bad evil guy, like his his throne of power, his seat of power. The next card was Kravik and Sorcerer, right, who, right. of course, became the big bad evil guy. The Woolly Spider, that one might seem obvious at first. You're just going to pop some giant spiders in as the characters are navigating the forest. but And that that's what my initial thought was. But mm-hmm. as as everything, evol- as everything developed and evolved, it turned into something else. And I'll, I'll share that in a moment. Next one was Gorilla Pack. Again, a nice, nice encounter but something that ended up being a little bit non-traditional. Next card was Rally, which I built that mechanic okay. into a magical sword, um, kind of a, a homebrew magic item. Anytime the, the character scores a crit with that weapon, it sends out like this this very satisfying clang or, or twang or whatever kind of sound effect you want to imagine, and all of the allies in the area get a okay. uh, inspiration mm-hmm. boost from that. Next, we have Shield Bearer. He was an NPC okay, gotcha. and a um, magic item giver. Then we had a, a pike knight. And this one I had to look up. This is some some sort of like fae or fairy type of creature that existed in some mythology. And there's not a whole lot online about it. But I was able to kind of twist it and, and, and fit it into a, a helpful dryad creature who would assist the characters on their way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we had Icequake, which d- ended up being a trap in the Dragon's Lair. We had Scaled Worm, which ended up being a aforementioned dragon. Fire Covenant is a special ability that I 
that mm-hmm. I tacked onto the ring of fire. So it's not just a standard uh, ring of fire resistance, but it's got a little extra oomph to it. Then we had Breath of, of Dreams. This was the hardest one to, to work in. This is a blue spell. It's a terrible card. Like no one no one uses this card magic. But Breath of Dreams, and I, I struggled for the longest time on how to integrate it into the campaign. And eventually it ended up being this dream world that the characters would enter when they're sleeping in the enchanted forest. And they, you know, they, 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 they go to sleep. They try to take a long rest. They immediately kind of come to in this realm of dreams. And that's where these spiders come back into play. And I baked it in there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, use the spiders if you want, but you can make it rats. You can make it, anything else that your characters might have a phobia of. So kind of draw something out of the backstory. Um, okay. And of mm-hmm. course, when they're fighting mm-hmm. in, in this realm of dreams, they're not taking physical damage they're taking psychic, psychic damage. damage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And if they were to perish in the realm of dreams. Yeah. And if they perish in this realm of dreams, they just kind of wake up in a cold sweat mm. with a couple levels of exhaustion tacked onto them. <laughs> so it was it was this it was this mechanic that would not have otherwise existed in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not gonna go out of my way to to like get get this realm of dreams incorporated into this campaign, but because I drew the card, mm-hmm. I had to find a way to use it. Um and I got three more left real quick. I got Brainstorm, which is a magic item to give casters a little bit of a boost. Okay. Orcish Farmer ended up being a very fun and lovable NPC. <laughs> and then Death Ward, it's kind of like a magical boon. Basically, um, that aforementioned uh, Dryad NPC blesses all the characters with a with a Death Ward. And what happens is, Whenever that character hits zero, they instantly bounce back to full to full health. And the reason I wanted that in there is kind of a safety net. Oh wow! It's kind okay. of a, that's even way way better than the spell. Right. I yeah. mean it it only it only works once per character, so it's like a one time get mm-hmm. out of jail free card. But because I knew mm-hmm. I had that safety net, I was able to kind of go all out with the uh, white dragon that is in the campaign as well as the big bad evil okay. sorcerer guy and the rival like ogre chieftain. So I I knew that as long as these characters have this safety net there from this NPC, you can go bigger and harder with the with the enemies you're throwing at mm-hmm. them and they'll be able to kind of, you know, balance the scales a little bit. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, thank you for kind of giving the the breakdown on all the different uh, cards and how you incorporated them. I really love the uh, the breath of dreams being that that um, like you said here, like the the game changer, right? Like you you had this thing and you you made the commitment to yourself that you're going to use every single card that's in this pack, and you have this one card that doesn't quite fit, and you're not sure what to do. So kind of uh, you know dwelling on that and thinking of some different ways to incorporate it. And I mean, it sounds like you came up with something that is this pretty awesome actually so um that's that's fantastic yeah thank you and uh, yeah thanks for saying that and it was something that you know it it probably took weeks for that to kind of evolve Mm -hmm. you know i'm yeah i'm I'm just kind of thinking on it i'm you know i might be out mowing the grass thinking about it might be walking to work i'm thinking about it and then one day it just kind of you know just kind of clicked you have that moment of like hey well why don't i just Mm -hmm. have this like little this little pocket dimension and this these other things can happen in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's super interesting. I, I kind of do, um, you know, so, sort of the similar thing with my own campaign uh, generation where I'm like, you know, I'll have an idea and it doesn't quite fit with the rest of what I'm doing. And it just sort of like, you know, gets on, like I put it on the back burner of my brain. Right. And it just sort of stays there. And I just hope like I keep throwing some ideas into it or, you know, testing it up against other ideas and hope that eventually something boils out of it. That's something that I can use. Right. So you're just sort of kind of always thinking about the the campaign that you're building, right? And how to make these pieces work. And when mm-hmm. you have that thing that, oh, I really like this, or, you know, I feel like I need to incorporate this, but I don't know how to do it. Um, I think that's something that doesn't really get talked about en- enough amongst GMs. And, uh, you know, as we're building our campaigns is that, 
you know, not everything fits together all of the time in a nice, neat package, right? Like sometimes it's it's a lot of mental work that goes into figuring out how all of these pieces can fit together. Um, so yeah, thank thank you for for sharing that that bit of struggle that you went through and how you know ultimately was able to just kind of click and find that that right thing. Um, and it seems like you know really awesome sure. sort of an encounter or um, you know a bit a beat within the game there to uh, to take place. So that's great. Um, yeah, and I just honestly really like the the whole idea behind this sort of randomly generated uh, campaign more or less here that you got. I mean, you know. You could have sat down and been like, all right, well, I have this idea for this story and, you know, I, I want to figure out how to make this campaign fit together. But you kind of started from the other uh, sort of other place, right, where it's you you know that you want to do this thing with Magic the Gathering cards. You don't really know what's going to be in the in the pack. You you went to one that went to a, a pack or a sort of, I, I guess, um, like deck or what what would you call the. Uh, that with uh, with magic there. I, I apologize for all of our magic players that are listening <laughs> of my ignorance. Oh, there. sure. So so uh, what I did is I, I opened up a virtual booster pack, which has 15 booster cards okay. in it. Okay, so, gotcha. Right. And I th- I, th- um, I think when I opened that up, you know, the, the, the first thing I looked for was who's going to be that big, bad, evil guy? Who's going to be the villain? Who's going to be mm-hmm. kind of the the antagonist? Uh, of the story right kind of like your your strahd equivalent or like in a campaign like storm sure. king's thunder who who's who who's driving the action that gets the characters involved to then you know kind of push back against that so once i saw the the kravik and sorcerer sitting there and, and the artwork told me a lot he's got this real like conniving look on his face um he he's not okay. he's not a a happy friendly looking character <laughs> right so it's it's more than just the mechanics of the card or or the name of the card that can inform how it gets used you know you've also got the artwork like i mentioned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of the cards have have uh, mm-hmm. flavor text which might be like a sentence or two um that kind of give some some flavor some character to to the card or to the effect the card has you have the mechanics of the card themselves um you know so a spell that might do fire damage and magic well obviously you can find several spells in D that also do fire damage so which ones kind of line up and make sense together mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i once i identified who the villain was going to be some of the other items like um the potential magic items kind of popped up off the page the potential npcs mm-hmm. and they kind of popped up off the page and at that point you've got four or five strong elements to kind of start mm-hmm. tying together and then finding where the other handful of cards you have remaining can kind of slide in and complement those um, maybe like in a secondary role mm-hmm. but again making sure that everything ties together in the end for sure yeah and i also like that i mean the, the this booster pack wasn't going to create the whole story for you right like you're opening these this pack and looking through the cards and drawing inspiration from that but it's still a lot of work on on your side of things to actually weave this into a campaign from there right um oh sure yeah i mean that and that's a process that took um that took months if not if not years to really refine and get to where i wanted it before it could go live on the dm's guild i was fortunate to have that that home group that I mentioned to kind of test it out on and, mm-hmm. and uh, see what works, see what didn't right. work. And then I could go back to the drawing board on a couple items and either, you know, tweak them slightly or kind of give them mm-hmm. a, a overhaul. But I like to say that those, those 15 cards serve as the tent poles. So they, mm-hmm. they, they are the, they are the supporting structure. And then you still have to like overlay so much on top of that to tie it together you have to kind of fill in some other npcs you have to fill in the town you have to fill in maybe some other factions Mm -hmm. that are um at that are at at odds with in this case the dragon or the sorcerer who maybe weren't represented Mm -hmm. in the pack but another thing is is that i also knew i wanted this campaign to be levels one through five i wanted it to be that Mm -hmm. big in scope 
And honestly, honestly, 15 cards wasn't, wasn't enough on their own to get me there, you know, without a lot of hand waving, with a lot of, right. without yeah, a yeah. lot of like fast forwarding through levels. So once, once I had those tent poles, like I said, and I had the general structure, then, you know, looking at like XP budgets and things like that for a, a typical party, I'm like, okay, I need to mm-hmm. fill in some small encounters, fill in some some quote random encounters even though i really don't like the idea of random encounters i i I curated a few um that would that would fit naturally into the story or fit naturally into the environment that made that made sense Mm -hmm. and weren't complete one-offs so i yeah to to your point there was still a lot of work to be done to kind of flesh it out Mm -hmm. um from from those 15 cards to make it a cohesive campaign yeah absolutely i i think um that's the the way that you put it there is having these cards be the the tent poles is fantastic um i often will use you know generators for myself as well um there's a really great website uh dungeon.bin.sh i I like to call it don john just because it's d-o-n j-o-n and i like being an asshole essentially um but uh (laughs) and uh yeah it's really great because it's got a lot of really great you know random generators you can you know pull up you know like a quest prompt you can pull up a you can create a dungeon uh, with like a map and have it all filled in and everything for you as well um but there are also there's like uh you know a campaign guide almost where you can randomly generate everything um, and like you said, like, it's not going to do all of the work for you, but it's going to build, it's going to give you those tent poles. It's going to have a, you know, a foundation or a framework that you can use. And when you find those things that like, that kind of get the gears turning more or less, like you, you have that, uh, that drive backing you up and you have all of the things laid out, uh, the, the, you know, important story beats or the tent poles or the framework or, you know, however you want to put it. And then you can, you know, just kind of geek out <laughs> from there essentially, and, uh, just sort of build your own campaign and, and have fun with it, um, because you've got the framework laid out and now it's just filling in all the details and, you know, how do we get from point A to point B and kind of make those things make sense. And make sure we're including all of these story elements that I want to work with there as well. Yeah, and I I agree fully. It's it that that's the fun part. Like you said, you you get those random elements that you decide you're going to use, and then you geek out and weave it all together, fill in the gaps, yeah. make the connections, <laughs> tie mm-hmm. tie tie this thing to this thing to this thing. Yeah, that's that that's the fun part. And for me, for sure, I almost need those those parameters that structure because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, otherwise you've got everything in the world you could do like, <laughs> like if you yeah. sit down and say i'm going to write a new campaign or i've got a, a a new i've got a new game starting this weekend i need something to do yep. and you've got every monster available <laughs> yeah. you've got every hook available every setting available mm-hmm. you know it's it's overwhelming so i almost need those artificial constraints to give me some direction and some focus. Otherwise I'm just sitting there looking at a blank screen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the, uh, that, uh, like option paralysis is absolutely something that is, is very easy to fall into as a, a DM when you're, you know, starting up a new, new game or a new campaign, or just trying to put together a one shot with some friends, like having something to spark that inspiration for you is, is absolutely vital. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I've written a few uh, adventures that are up on the DMs Guild as well. And that's, you know, I I don't think any of them would have would exist without finding inspiration in other things to turn into a campaign. Um, my my most recent one, actually, I titled it Beneath the Graveyard, came from a, a short story by Henry Kuttner, Um that was published in like Weird Tales magazine, which was, you know, the magazines, like the pulpy magazines from like kind of turn of the century and uh, into the early or late thirties, maybe early forties. Um, like HP Lovecraft published a lot of his stuff in there and, and a lot of his contemporaries as well. But, um, you know, it was this short story that I happened to hear on, you know, one of the, the YouTube channels that I listen to that reads through a bunch of these old horror stories and stuff. And, as I'm sitting here listening to it, I'm like, oh, this could make for a pretty interesting D&D campaign. Like, you're going to have to change a lot because it's all about this one character having this experience in this graveyard with all of these rats. Um, but, like, there's this nice element of, like, mystery and terror to it that 
could really go well with, a, you know, in a D&D game. Um, so that was kind of my jumping off point to, you know, start writing this this adventure that I ultimately was able to to publish and put up on the DMs Guild. Um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any any writer in the world that exists in a vacuum, right? Like we're all drawing some sort of inspiration from right. somewhere, um, from the stories that we're reading, from the movies that we're watching or the video games that we play or, you know, whatever it is. And that sort of finds its way into our um, our games and, and our, you know, our, our stories that we tell so i think you've you know you've come up yeah exactly. come up with a really nice way to kind of kickstart that essentially um just like all right well i'm gonna hit this button here and you know eventually something's gonna fire up and we're gonna go with it right so um, no, that's great <laughs> yeah and you know since since publishing mm-hmm. that um you know and doing some promotion for that over the last year or so i've i've kind of fallen into the into the the shtick of of doing this almost on a daily basis on Twitter, mm-hmm. where I'll go to the uh, the Magic the Gathering website where they've got all the cards ever made, and they they have built uh-huh. in there a random button, and I'll click that random button maybe in the morning over coffee or maybe at the end of the day when I'm trying to wind down whatever works with my schedule that day. Mm-hmm. I'll get a random card and then convert it. And I'm not doing a full conversion, like with a stat block and everything, but you know, something that fits on Twitter, sometimes two or three tweets, you know, but, but something small and digestible, it's not a fully, um, fleshed out idea all the time. It's not always a balanced idea, Mm -hmm. but often I'll take something and say, Hey, you know what, that, that makes me think of this, of this monster stat block, or this makes me think of that magic item. And if we tweak this one thing or add this other thing, um, from the card uh-huh. to that existing item, now we've got this whole brand new thing to put out there into the world to maybe use in a in a homebrew game, or or just to inspire inspire someone else who might see that in their feed. They may not use it as yeah. is, but it might get them thinking about something that they could do. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, I love seeing those come up in my Twitter feed. I see your your posts occasionally or your tweets, and I'm like, oh, let me take a look at this one because I'm sure I can pilfer this and and use it for, for one of my <laughs> own games there for sure. Uh, but I guess, you know, for, for our listeners out there, can you maybe give us an, yeah, thank you. an example or like something recently that you really enjoyed or got a lot of really great inspiration from? Or, you know, what does that breakdown kind of look like from just like a single card uh, as inspiration there? Sure. Yeah. So recently, uh, one of the cards that came up was titled Corlash Heir to Blackblade. And this was a card I was not familiar with, but I was instantly grabbed by the the name of it as well as the artwork for it. Mm. And and that is a super metal name, I got to say. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so this this is a, <laughs> a this is a black creature card and it's a legendary creature. So, um that that tells you that it's something of of significance right there. And when I saw the armor this guy's wearing, the sword he was wielding, I instantly thought of the warlord stat block from Volos. Um and that's a, I mean mm-hmm. that's a pretty high okay. level high level stat block but you know with with the name of of Coralash heir to blackblade you would expect it to be a pretty high level guy um you know look looking back on yeah it, for sure that's well, not going to be like a cr1 creature right exactly sure. yeah yeah that's not going to be a cr1 creature you know but you could consider maybe scaling it down to like the knight stat block or something a little bit more approachable if you wanted to but yeah okay either way yeah i went i went with the warlord mm-hmm. stat block and the card states that uh, this creature is a zombie warrior. So automatically right there, you can add the undead type to the warlord. You can also give the warlord the the zombie's undead fortitude ability. That seemed like a real natural fit. Um, Ooh, so again, nice. you're just kind of taking pieces from other yeah. stat blocks and kind of rearranging them. The card also has this mechanic where he gets stronger based on the number of swamps you control. So that that told me instantly where where the heroes are going to find this guy. They're not going to find him on some mountain ridge. They're not mm, going to find mm. him lurking in some lush forest. He's going to be smack in the middle of some swampy, nasty terrain. So we're thinking about the Sword Coast. You've got the Mirror of Dead Men. 
you've got the Evermores. You know, if you're thinking mm-hmm. maybe something outside of outside of the Forgotten Realms, you might have something similar to like the Dead Marshes from Lord of the Rings, where this guy um, kind of mm-hmm. kind of patrols. So, yeah, that's his domain for sure. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that, that's his domain. Um, moving down the card ability list, he also has regeneration. So I thought. You know, this guy, he's a high-level character. He, he's he got this badass name. He's not going to be easily dispatched. So even if heroes come along and wipe him out, he's going to regenerate. He's going to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know, yeah, f- full moon. I mean, that, that just makes sense. You know, you're in this nasty swamp. There's long shadows. It's yeah, the dead absolutely. of night. And a full moon pops out from behind a cloud, and out of the mud and muck, this Corlash begins to rematerialize. So he's kind of like an ever an ever present uh, threat in this in this realm. And mm-hmm. and you know, with him with him being a a black creature card, um, the the black spells and magic are known for necromancy. They're known for curses. They're known for life draining. They're known for mm-hmm. a lot of those types of that type of magic. So I thought, you know, this guy's going to be cursed. He's going to be cursed, guarding. In my mind, I think of Black Blade being maybe his his ancestral home, maybe a keep or a tower that's jutting up out of the swampy terrain. So okay. he's cursed with guarding this kingdom. And this mm-hmm. kingdom would have once been fair and prosperous. Um, it wasn't always in the middle of a swamp, but be, you know, over generations or maybe even longer than that, um, it's kind of turned into this rotten, forsaken maybe because place. Because of this curse, yeah, exactly. Maybe because of this curse. But anyway, this guy he ends up just guarding this keep for eternity, and. That's where now it really starts to get interesting if you want to use this in a game because you have to think about what else is in the keep. What other baddies Mm -hmm. are we going to find in there? What kind of treasure are we going to find in there? What type of minions does Corlash have alongside of him? You know, maybe some rat swarms coming up out of the muck. Maybe some Mm -hmm. vampire bats coming down from a a high tower. Um, Skeletons, of course. Zombies, of course. So yeah, it, it really just makes for a for the jumping off point for maybe a mini campaign, maybe a one or two shot type of adventure as your characters are traveling along the sword Mm -hmm. coast and they, they get diverted into the mirror of dead men perchance and to see what kind of, uh, see what kind of shenanigans they can get up to. (laughs) For sure. Always play your shenanigans. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking of, you know, putting if i were to put my players through that you know you have them in, encounter uh this this guy um uh Corlash and uh yeah and like they they fight him and you know they encounter some of the spooky stuff around him and they end up killing him but then you know maybe they are having to come back a few days later or you know coming through the swamp again at a later time and it's the full moon and suddenly Corlash is coming up out of the swamp again. And they're like, wait, we already killed this guy. Like what's going on? Right. So it just sort of opens the door to this greater mystery, right? Like they had this encounter with this undead warlord already. And now he's back all of a sudden, like what's up with that? That that's not natural. We killed him. Why is he back here? <laughs> um, right. And so. you know, that, that could be a great opportunity to get some of those lesser used skills into the game maybe arcana maybe religion Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a spellcaster or a cleric in the party might be able to find a way to lift that curse you know maybe there's something deep down right in in the tower in the ruined keep that they can perform a ritual maybe they can Mm -hmm. you know unlock some ancient mystery to finally give this poor soul some rest and make it safe for travelers to go through his swamp absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I really love how that that one card now has sort of spawned all of these ideas because you you just it wasn't just the this character on the card, but all of the sort of aspects around that, right? Like, well, we have who he is now, but 
it says that he's, uh, you know, gains power from the swamp. So we put him in a swamp. And what else is in this swamp? Oh, well, he's maybe guarding a tower. Okay, well, what's in the tower? Um, so I, I love that way of sort of fleshing out this uh, this adventure that you've built or, you know, sort of mini campaign even perhaps um, just based on, you know, this one one idea, drawing this single card and having this in front of you and just sort of opening up all of these these doors, so to speak, and giving you a lot of room to uh, create around that. That's that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, uh, sorry. I know we've kind of jumped around in in our our notes here. Um, you had made a quick reference, or not a quick reference, but a quite detailed reference to this MT Black article in, in, about uh, randomness as well. And I I think that really lends itself to the conversation that we're having today on you know how to incorporate you know randomness in your game and in in terms of creating inspiration for yourself as well. So I, I know you've written a, a lot here and, you know, I don't expect you to necessarily recite it all verbatim, but can you give myself and, and our listeners here maybe sort of a breakdown on um, some of the ideas generated from there and how, how to kind of use that um, as a, a jumping off point for yourself as well? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And just in case people aren't familiar with MT Black, mm -hmm. yeah. he is one of the most prolific publishers on the dms guild i don't know where you know where he ranks but i know he's 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 definitely one of the top sellers on there basically everything he puts out is sell sells really well but but uh, you know aside from the sales numbers it, they're really good products i've i've uh downloaded a mm -hmm. few of his adventures kind of to, just to read through to kind of get the flow the structure the pacing of how of how he lays things out but he's also got a, a nice newsletter and in one of the recent articles that he sent out, he talked about this idea of randomness. And when I was reading it, I was thinking, you know what? That That's exactly what I did. I didn't know I was using randomness, right? I mean, I guess I mm -hmm. probably should have. It's, it's fairly obvious, but I, I never thought about it Um you know, directly like that. <laughs> yes. You know, sometimes you, you just don't quite think about what you're doing, right? So, right. But yeah, yeah so he, he talked about how he uses um, randomness to introduce new and fun elements into the game that he would not have otherwise consciously chosen. I mentioned that that dream realm earlier that I used inside of Wintry Blast. You know, that that's not a decision I would have consciously made. I would have mm -hmm. had the characters go from point A to point B you know, maybe get up to some trouble in the forest or in the foothills mm -hmm. of the mountain range or something like that and not, not have something that kind of offbeat or something that grandiose happen in those journeys. But anyway, um, Black in his article, he quotes this game designer named Whitney Beltran. And she says, um, resonance is when a work connects to itself thematically archetypically and structurally it has its own internal call and response patterns echoes and other structural and rhythmic forms that cohere it into meaning and this idea of, of resonance mm. resonance going together with randomness is important because you can throw random stuff out there at your players all the time mm -hmm. and i think a lot of players and i know myself as a dm right you know we we kind of we kind of think poorly of, of quote random encounters or wandering monsters or side quests because they often mm. detract or distract mm -hmm. from the main plot line. They're kind of time sucks. They're resource drains. They're, they're, they're things that take us away from the momentum of the actual campaign. But if we can find a way to take those random elements and turn them back in on themselves to create that resonance that's what really mm -hmm. makes the world feel vibrant and alive. So that that was one of the quotes that really stuck out to me. So now when when I'm thinking about, you know, random encounters yeah, or fantastic. or when I'm thinking about potential side quests, and by all means, I, I use random encounters and I use side quests. I don't use wandering monsters so much, but but anyway, I make sure that they've got resonance. Mm -hmm. They're not just there. You know, there's not just a, a, a mm -hmm. mummy wandering down the corridor. Right. That mummy is some long dead important NPC, <laughs> right? That mummy right. maybe has the amulet that the characters need to unlock mm -hmm. the vault. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's something going on there instead of just a a encounter to kind of 
eat up some time and eat up some resources. And Black goes on to talk in that article about how he uses the tables found in the DMG. And honestly, I've had the DMG since it came out. I never really Mm -hmm. paid much attention to those random tables that are in the appendixes. But after reading his article and taking (laughs) his advice, I flipped through there. Those things are... Those things are full of gold. I mean, there are so many um, interesting, descriptive, um, vibrant ideas that you can find on those random tables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, you could open up a pack of magic cards. You could take a couple, you know, D20s and roll on these tables. You could, you, there, there's different ways to, to get those creative juices flowing for you. Right. Um, but, and Mike, Mike, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, you still got all the hard work to do of tying the things together. You know, right. j- just because you know there's a trap in this room and a magic item in this room and an encounter in this room, you, there's still a lot of work to tie it together to make it make sense for the adventure and to make it be something that is unique um, and fun for your players. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I highly recommend you guys seeking out MT Black and, and reading some of his stuff because he's got some great insights on uh, world building and, and adventure writing. For sure, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely um, put a link to that article in, in the episode notes here as well. I'm sure our listeners would uh, love to uh, to take a look at it and get get the full depth of the article there. Um, they, uh, that idea of resonance absolutely is something that I, I love. And, you know, like, like yourself, it's, it's something that I have have incorporated kind of unknowingly almost, or maybe without having a name to it, but just knowing that, you know, when you have these like seemingly random encounters or side quests, just finding ways to, uh, you know, make everything sort of fit together or feed off of each other, making things important to each other um, so that it doesn't feel like it's, you know, just, oh, well, we're just going on this side quest to gather all of these, you know, flowers for this guy so that he can make a poultice and then we get money from him and that's the end of the quest, um, right? Like you want to find ways to connect that side quest to maybe some of the main events. Like maybe you're sending the players off to get these things to make this poultice so that this NPC that they're familiar with can cure some sort of ailment that some someone else or some villagers are struggling with in the in their like the town where their uh their home base is or whatever right like you're you've got uh, you've got the uh the ideas and the randomness that come uh, or the the randomness the ideas that come from the randomness i i, I know how to talk i promise um <laughs> but yeah, I think the uh, the that aspect of the resonance is something that is very much on the GM to figure out, right? So you can put together the random side quests or you can roll on these tables and then it's sort of up to you to figure out, okay, well, you know, how does this fit into the bigger picture of what I'm doing, right? Uh, and that, that onus is something that falls on the GM to, uh, to really flesh out from there. Um, right. Yeah, and again, I think that that uh, the effort that goes into that is often something that gets overlooked uh, in in the D and D world. You know, we don't really talk about all of the the effort that goes <laughs> goes into like creating a, a campaign or filling in all of these details from you know between point A and point Z. Right? There's all of those spots in between that you have have to go through. Um, so yeah, that resonance that's that's excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one for sure and put that in my own. Uh, personal <laughs> lexicon there. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, also like you, you got me pretty jazzed about this idea about of uh, creating stuff with uh, Magic the Gathering cards. I'm wondering if we might be able to, you know, just like pull something right now while we're talking here and uh, maybe come up with uh, some ideas from it. What do you say? Sure. Do you wanna do you wanna make the poll? Or do you want me to make the poll? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know where to go for that. So if you wanna, if okay. you wanna do it, let's no let's sweat. go, and you can maybe share with me what what you find, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. All right. How about that? Yeah. Sure thing. All right. We're doing it live, as they say. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I went to the. I w- <laughs> yeah. So w- walk us through the steps. Yeah. Yeah. So it. it's it's basically gatherer.wizards.com, and then you'll find a random card button. So I click okay. that random card button. I got 
Timber Protector. This is a okay. green creature. It's a tree folk warrior. Other tree folk creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Other tree folk and forests you control have the indestructible trait. And this guy's pretty meaty. He's a four, six. So he's a pretty healthy, substantial uh, creature. And then his flavor text reads, okay. in his presence, an ordinary grove becomes a bastion to turn spells and break armies. So instantly I'm thinking Ooh. this guy is like the tree folk. He, you know, he's, he's yeah, the yeah, tree yeah. folk. Maybe like a, maybe the same way Corlash was a curse upon that swamp. This guy's like a guardian mm-hmm. or a champion of this of this maybe a forest maybe just a a grove mm-hmm. yeah his grove you know yeah yeah and uh, again that flavor text is in his presence an ordinary grove becomes a bastion to turn spells and break armies so i'm thinking there's probably some sort of like anti-magic field mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. in this grove or maybe something um, that like yeah what do you think mike yeah something that like triggers a counter spell effect right if people are casting spells like probably like fire magic right doesn't want his forest to burn down so anytime a fire spell is sure. cast something maybe he has like a like a legendary reaction or, or you know reaction ability or something like that that can try and counterspell that anytime someone cast a fire spell um and yeah and breaking armies as right. well hmm yeah he, he he's also got that ability where he makes other tree folk around Ooh, him yeah stronger. okay mm-hmm. so i'm thinking he's probably like a leader yep. you know you can obviously think of Treebeard from from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. No, I, I you know, you, you maybe, started describing maybe, this guy, and I was like, oh, we're going to use the tree ant uh, blo- stat block for sure as like our our base. Yeah, and then we'll build off right. of that. Um, yeah, but you know, now now the challenge is like, what what is right. the plot device mm-hmm. here? You know, is this is this enchanted grove being threatened by some outside force? Mm-hmm. You know, I I wouldn't want to use orcs or anything like that because that's been done before. Absolutely, but maybe. Maybe it's some maybe it's some sort of pollution, you mm-hmm. know. Maybe mm-hmm. it's some yeah. sort of necrotic energy that's that has that has seeped into the root system, and the trees are growing weaker. The brambles are or are um, not thriving. You know, mm-hmm. things are kind mm-hmm. of withering on the vine, and the characters need to get to the bottom of what is causing the forest to die. So right. it's not something that Treebeard here in this example can just swing his arm at and knock, <laughs> knock the smithereens. It's right, something right. a little bit, you know, something that needs a little bit more of yeah, a delicate touch. I was touch, just thinking like you, you bring this up now and I'm like, well, maybe, you know, we have this character who should be this like pinnacle of, you know, nature, magic and growth within this grove. But because of the this sort of magical pollution uh, he's getting weak as well, right? So maybe he's found a way to draw uh, adventurers in and he's going to have them then solve this mystery for him so he can get back to his, uh, his you know, powerful state or, you know, potentially like kind of a, the uh, I think it's in the high forest, the grandfather tree um, is what it's called. Yeah, so he's like, yes. he's a, he is a tree ant, right? Yeah. But he's asleep, right? Like no one's really communicated with the grandfather tree in a long time because he's just there sort of guarding this spot. So maybe this thing, this mm-hmm. pollution has woken him up and he doesn't have the might that he should because of all of this like, you know, bad mojo that's around in his forest there. Right. So now he's he's got to work with uh, the players right. and give them clues on some, you know, their adventure to go off and solve this problem for him so he can be this um this pinnacle of uh, of the forest grove that he he protects right and and i'm thinking that i'm thinking that you know with, with this being plants and and the like you mentioned the grandfather tree having really deep roots there in the high mm, forest mm-hmm. Maybe it's something sinister seeping seeping up from Ooh, the underdark from the so underdark the yeah find a way right maybe there's something shady going on underneath the high mm-hmm, forest mm-hmm. the characters need to get down into the underdark and see what's going on before it spreads elsewhere yeah throughout the, absolutely uh, throughout i love that north. so it's uh, it's kind of got that uh bit of like you know 
subverting the expectations, right? You bring the players into this the high forest and like, oh, well, something's corrupting uh, the, the forest here. So it's going to be a forest adventure. And uh-uh-uh, we're actually going into the Underdark right now. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes going into the Underdark. It's <laughs> terrible there. Right. And, you know, and, and maybe maybe this guy's got enough magical energy left as he gives the mm. quest to the players and sends them on their way that he can maybe bless them with with some bark skin or, mm-hmm. you know, some other very stereotypical druid druid like spell or or For maybe sure. some sap from a tree that when they drink it, it's a healing potion or mm-hmm. a potion yeah, yeah, of yeah. heroism, something like that. Right. Gives them like a some temporary HP or something. Yeah. No, I, I right. like that for sure. Let's see. Yeah, that was that was fun. I think I yeah. think we did a good <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah, we there. did. Go team! Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, awesome. Well, let's see. We've been talking for about an hour here. Do you want to maybe do do one more? I'll do a drawing here, and then we'll talk around that, and then we can kind of wrap up after that. How's that sound? All right, awesome. Yeah, Let's yeah, for sure. Did, did you find yeah, the, yeah. the spot to I do it? Yeah, yeah, I think I was able to pull it up here. You told me what the website was, and I saw I see the random card here. So let me let me uh, click on this and get it going. All right. So here we have Root Walla. Um, looks like maybe also a green card here as well. Um, yeah, and there's all of this magic stuff that I'm like, oh, I don't know what any of this means. But here, let me do my best. So it is a creature. Yeah, uh, I... It's a lizard. Uh, card text, Rootwalla gets uh, plus two, plus two until the end of turn. Activate only once each turn. Flavor text, if you try to sneak up on a Rootwalla, you'll suddenly find yourself dealing with twice the lizard. Um, so that, to me, indicates that this thing is going to grow <laughs> when you try to sneak up on it. Um, Let's see, it is common, so, you know, not like a legendary creature at all. This would just be maybe some some encounter that we come across in our uh, adventure, you know, to save Treebeard or save the Grandfather Tree. Uh, we come across a, a Rootwalla. Um, I don't know, what, what what do you think there, Ryan? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Because this is a common creature, it's not going to be an important NPC mm-hmm. or like... The, a boss or a mini boss, I think it's just going to be like maybe maybe one of those intentional random encounters as you mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. explored the forest, as you maybe try to get from point A to point B. Right. Um, I I think that I th- when when I see the Rootwalla and you told me about his ability where he gets temporarily bigger, I think of that dinosaur from Jurassic Park that gets Newman. You know that has like oh the, yeah 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 <laughs> it does the shriek the, and the, the, like the gills yeah, the big flare out and face, you know yeah <laughs> yeah, I, yeah exactly because at first it looks like a pretty innocent you know harmless oh, tiny the sweet dinosaur little and the tiny next thing dinosaur you know, yeah is it gonna be my friend and <laughs> yikes <laughs> yeah so that's that's how, that's kind of how I envision that's kind of how I envision Rootwalla so I think you know you can maybe use the the lizard stat block, maybe the giant lizard stat block. I know mm-hmm. he's not a large mm-hmm. creature, but you could still use the stat block and just kind of make it work as like yeah. a base. Um, but maybe give it some sort of like, like a rage ability, maybe like a barbarian mm-hmm. rage ability, tack it on there. So, so, you know, if you're not careful, if you, um, if you don't tread lightly as you pass through the root walla, um, den or, or nest area, mm-hmm. Um, right. then they're going to get pissed basically and, and rage right, yeah, out. Maybe and there's basically, I see maybe several of them coming mm-hmm. out of the woodwork and swarming the characters. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking this might be a good way to, no, to... Yeah, I, I might be, oh, go might ahead, be go ahead. picking up on the same vibes here, but like, you know, the, the den you mentioned there, like if you have to pass through it or get, go into it, even maybe potentially like this is, between where the players are and where the entrance to the underdark is that they need to get to 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 save treebeard right and uh-huh. or you know your grandfather tree or whatever it is right um and they they have to figure out how to you know navigate either through or around this den and if they don't then all of these <laughs> lizards are going to get very angry at them uh, and make it a much harder time for them Right, and I think that's another good way to introduce some skill challenge into here. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, maybe using the survival, 
use the survivor skill check, maybe use the nature skill check and make it mm-hmm. one of those mm-hmm. to where it's may, may, maybe it's a group pass fail or maybe it's a, 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 okay. a sequence, yeah, yeah. Like a small skill challenge to where if the characters are very careful, they tread lightly, um, they don't maybe mm-hmm. step on any any you know tails or anything as they pass through then right then you know they 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 get through unscathed maybe they find like a a mm-hmm. good berry bush waiting for them on the opposite side and they can kind of stock up on some good berries before nice. before the next phase if they do moderately mm-hmm. well but not a total success a few of these lizards come out and engage with them and if they just you know crap yep. the bed and have a couple ones <laughs> just, or, or yeah. don't get any successes on the skill yeah, challenges yeah. the right yeah. there's a whole swarm but we also need to give it we also yeah. need to give it resonance so i'm thinking that that these mm-hmm. rootwalla right. used to be normal lizards but they've been feeding okay. on yeah, yeah. the roots of nearby plants that have been corrupted mm, by whatever's happening corrupted. in the yeah. dark okay. and okay. it's kind of yeah. right it's kind of given them this this mutation so these were once natural, innocent lizards who have now been corrupted and mm-hmm. have this extra like barbarian rage ability and are much more ferocious right. and much more deadly. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that lizard. the players could potentially uncover with a successful nature check, right? Like if they're doing this skill challenge and getting a sense for what these things are, it's like, oh, well, they look like they they look like some of the larger lizards that you've seen before. But they seem, you know, uh, easily startled or easily uh, flustered. Like they're, you can see them moving around their den. And when one of them accidentally brushes up against the other one, they kind of fly into a rage at that other lizard and, you know, beat them up real quick and then walk mm-hmm. away. So you, you can see that, get a sense that there's something that's not right here. So you're going to have to tread lightly if you don't want to disturb these lizards and end up fighting a bunch of them. <laughs> right. Or Yeah. Exactly. You might also be able to find out from a nature or maybe a medicine check that they've got like cloudy, cloudy yeah. eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe mm-hmm. they've got like some, maybe they've got some, so, some sores or like infected spots kind of uh, right. festering yeah. on their skin. Uh, maybe they're kind of, drooling or like their tongues lolling out of their mouth and they they, they don't look quite right and that's because you know they've been they've been eating the bad roots yeah that'll, absolutely. that'll mess you up awesome well i think we not only were able to come up with some really interesting ideas from uh these couple of cards that we drew here but found a way to you know display that resonance as well and it, really awesome job sort of mm-hmm. tying that into what we had just talked about previously so that's that's fantastic um Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, if we had to or if you had to kind of leave our listeners today with any sort of parting words of wisdom, maybe, you know, kind of summarizing quickly or anything that we you feel like you you absolutely want to get across that we haven't had the chance to touch on just yet. What what would be our your, your final uh, bit of imparting wisdom to our listeners today? I think I think my wisdom would be always be creating. Um, I think, I think creating is a lot like a muscle, you know, um, people, people work out, people jog, you know, they, they try to stay in shape physically. I think you also need to try to stay Mm -hmm. in shape creatively. So even if you're not writing a campaign, even if you're a player in a game and you don't really have that same like full creative control that the DM does still be Mm kind of noodling on the side, keeping, keeping those juices flowing, keeping the brain sharp, keeping your imaginative um, essence, you know, keeping, keeping, keeping the brain Mm -hmm. nimble in in that creative aspect, because you might find some good, um, you might find some good things to use down the road. When you are a DM, you might find some good things down Mm -hmm. the road to kind of incorporate as a player character. So yeah, just, just kind of always, my advice would be, kind of just hang out in that creative space and you might be surprised what kind of percolates uh, from there. 100% agree. Um, I know I mentioned earlier that I often will sort of put my campaigns or or a certain idea from the campaign um, on the back burner of my brain. And I tend to think of it as like, like kind of a a long or a slow cooking stew um, where it's just sort of always, uh, always cooking, you know, always something is, uh, in the in the works there, um, 
you know, might throw a couple of ideas in there, kind of swirl it around, give it a taste, see how it, how it uh, fits all together there. Occasionally, you know, pulling it to the front burner, turning up the heat just to make sure that it's ready to actually pull something out of then and, and, and consume. Um, which is, I know, a very strange metaphor. So I'm, I'm sorry for cursing you with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I absolutely agree with what you said there. Just, you know, it's important to kind of always be in that or not, maybe not always, but as often as you are able to be in that creative space so that things can grow out of it. And yeah, never know what's uh, when you drop something in to that that pot, you know, what what it's going to turn into for sure. Um so yeah, thank uh -huh. you so much, and and thank you just for being on the show and uh, talking to us and, and and our listeners today here as well. Um, absolutely, it's been a, been a blast. Um, I do I do also want to kind of give you the floor. I know you you know you've got uh, your adventures out there um, on the DMs Guild, and you're you're on Twitter as well with a really great presence there. So I um, just want to give you the floor to. You know, let our listeners know how they can find your work, how they can get a hold of you or, you know, what, what other, inf you know, uh, other stuff do you want to plug for yourself, I guess? Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot. And, and uh, thanks for having me on. It has been a good time. But um, yeah, I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me at RJ Questgiver. I also have a website, rjquestgiver.weebly.com. Um, that's kind of a blog, kind of a toolkit. I've got some, some resources listed there for players and as well as DMS. So, you know, there's so much great stuff, so many great tools out there. I wanted to find a place for my own sake to kind of have a, a repository that I could refer back mm -hmm. to. And then I thought, well, I might as well put this on a website so other people can also have access to it so that we're all not kind of hunting and gathering all over the internet. Um, so yeah, rjquestgiver.weebly.com at rjquestgiver on Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, just keep an eye out. Like I said, most days I do a daily, um, magic to D and D conversion. And, uh, when I, when I really find gold on those, I will convert mm -hmm. it into a, a longer form conversion on the blog, kind of write up a whole stat block or write up a whole, like a little outline for it. Something that's, that's longer form than what Twitter can handle. And, um, yeah, this all started with me talking about Wintry Blast. You can find that on the DMs Guild. It's a campaign for levels one through five set up in the uh, cold, harsh climates of, uh, of Faerun. So definitely check that out if you're interested. There's a lot of homebrew items, homebrew creatures, um, plot hooks, you name it. I try to give it everything that a DM might need to run the game. So awesome. I hope you check well, it out. Uh, yeah. Thanks so so much for being on the show and listeners. You can find links to all of these pl uh, places in the uh, episode description. Um, so yeah, definitely check Ryan out, give him a follow on Twitter, get, uh, go and, and um, download his, his adventures and check out his blog there as well. Um, and uh, Ryan, once again, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Uh, it's been been really great having you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad glad you enjoyed it as well. Uh, and that I'm not just torturing you by having you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, again, thanks so much. A lot of really great inspiration for myself and I'm sure for all of our listeners out there as well. Um, and uh, for all, all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me here, you can always reach me over on Twitter at 19HitsTheDragon. Um, you can also send an email if that's your thing as well, uh, 19HitsTheDragon at gmail.com. Um, but uh, yeah, really the best thing to do to uh, let me know what you think of the show or you know what uh, if you have some ideas or inspiration that you've drawn from, uh, from Ryan's uh, uh, wisdom here that he's imparted to you today. Leave a comment, leave ratings, reviews, um, and of course, go and tell 19 of your closest friends. Uh, thanks so much for checking us out today, and we'll see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>